Welcome to Practical Forms of Self-Love with Jesh Durox, a mini-series focusing on 10 essential perspectives and practices to embody self-love. Here's Jesh. Good morning and thanks for, for joining me, for taking a few moments of your time to check in and connect with crazy me wherever I am in the world. I've had such an interesting few weeks. So much has been happening and uh, it's a lot of very formative shifting and churning and mostly just a lot of hard work. <laughs> you know, uh, one of my mentors uh, wrote something one time that I really love. He said, everything beautiful in the universe came from turbulence. You know, and I think some moments of our life are the beautiful part, <laughs> as we like to think of it, you know, and other parts are the turbulence which end up being the same thing eventually. But in the turbulent part, it's it's hard to remember that, I think. So, moving right directly into the thing I want to talk to you about today. A few days ago, I think last week, I came on and I talked about the subject of practical self-love. You know, self-love is such a big theme right now, which I'm really thankful for. And it's, it's a meme, you know, it's like the most famous meme, love yourself. And uh, that's great. I have nothing against that. But also, what the flip does that mean? You know, <laughs> what does that mean? I'm really interested in getting to the bottom of things, opening them up, breaking them apart, so that I can understand things inside of my body so that I can be them, not just have some conceptual, you know, memorization of a subject that I'm supposed to, you know, be aware of. The awareness is really important, and that's why I'm so thankful, you know, that self-love is a meme now, because at least we're thinking about that, whereas I think a lot of our parents, and particularly our grandparents and the people before, didn't even really have the luxury, I think, to sit around and think about these kinds of things. But in a day, in an age, you know, where we are so surrounded with memes and a constant barrage of information of all kinds, you know, telling us what to do and who to be and what to think about. You know, and not all of those messages necessarily being uh, for our best benefit, you know, and even something like self-love has been hugely, you know, co-opted by, you know, the commercial world. And so a lot of times, even when we're being told self-love, you know, it's like hashtag makeup, you know, or <laughs> or buy this food or, or whatever. Still, it remains the idea and the concept of self-love is beautiful and important. But what I wanted to do is share a little bit about my own journey with that, because I have come a very, very long way in my own journey of, you know, what we could call self-love. And I'm by no means a master of it, but there is a lot that I've learned that I think is really beneficial. And I want to share about that. And it's a big one. There's a lot to say about it. So diving into day one of a 10 day exploration of what does self-love mean practically? The first subject I kind of want to have is called Honor the In-Between. So last week I was having a conversation with a creative that I, I mentor in business. And she's a very, very powerful, beautiful person and uh, she lives in, in India. And during the talk, at one moment I said, all right, my friend, in 15 years from now, you're going to be giving a speech in front of the UN. And the speech is going to be about what it was like to become a powerful entrepreneur who made such a big impact on her community 
and the world around you as a woman coming from India, you know, and having to move through the culture in the way that you did, having to move through gender constraints in the way that you did. You're going to be giving this speech in, in 15 years about that. If that was going to be tonight, that speech 15 years from now, you would honor that speech so, 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 so much. You would prepare for it. You would feel so excited about it. You would probably, you know, get some amazing outfit for it. You would, you would practice for it. And if tonight was the night that you were going to be giving that speech, it would definitely be a night, you know, that you would honor really, really highly. And what I told her is that what I want you to do, knowing that that speech is going to be happening 15 years from now, I want you to honor today, I want you to honor tonight just as much as you would honor that night 15 years from now. Because the only way that you will ever get to that particular night is to spend a lot of nights from now until then honoring those days and honoring those nights with the exact same level of honor that you would give such an important day like that. And the reason why most people never get to a day like that is because they don't honor the moments in between. And the moments in between are just as powerful and potential, just as important. It's just that they're different. They're different in some really marked ways. And one of the biggest differences is that they are often solitary moments. Because of the way that we are wired, you know, genetically and evolutionarily, we tend to have a lot more honor for moments that we can receive validation for that have to do with us being in connection and sharing, giving and receiving to other people around us. And while those are beautiful, important moments, and while those do seem to have more physical impact a lot of time than other moments, they are not actually, you know, more important. And because of that, they deserve just as much honor an honor which is rarely, rarely given. So another way to look at this is if you can imagine a chain starts here and then it ends here, and there's all of these little links, you know, between the chain. And I was to ask you, which of these chain links is the most important of these chain links? Of course, the answer is they are all equally important. There's no chain link that is more important than the other chain links, that's obvious. But if you think about that with moments, it's actually very, very similar because the way that we experience moments, the way that we experience, you know, life and moving through the time stream, you have this moment that's here now, and then you've got the next one, and you've got the next one, and the next, 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 next. So, you know, in 15 years from now, you're at the UN, you're giving the speech, and you've got this moment right here, and it seems to be this especially important moment, and it is. But if you take out any of the moments between now and then in that chain, the chain disappears. And so even the most beautiful moments that we have, they are directly and vitally interconnected to the other moments that come before. And what a lot of people do is they will be so obsessed, you know, with those big moments, with those, those huge moments, they will pine for it, they will cry for it, you know, they will wish that they would had it, that they're actually missing out on the very simple but, but powerful fact that this moment right now is the only way to get to that moment. And so you could say, yes, but those moments are different. In one moment, you know, I'm alone in my living room and in the other moment, I'm, you know, speaking in front of the UN or performing on a stage in front of thousands or 
or winning an award or whatever your version of that is. This moment right now is just as important as that moment. But you could say, but they're different. They are different. And so if we take it back to this metaphor of the chain, the chain links are all equally important, but maybe some of them are colored. You could say maybe this UN speech moment is a bright red chain link and all of the others are just silver or, or gray. And so to the eye, to the vision, that link seems to draw more attention. But just because it draws more attention doesn't actually mean that it's more important. We do have this biological you know, system that we're working in that's very beautiful, but also has certain very strong characteristics. And one of them is to pay extra attention to contrast, pay extra attention, especially to situations where other people are involved, especially ones where we can be rewarded or, you know, we can be rejected very strongly. Those kinds of moments, we're just, we're hardwired to care about those moments more. And if you look back to how anybody ever got to a place where they were able to do some version of the UN speech, what you will find every single time is there was a lot of moments, a lot of moments that were, you know, spent in the quiet, alone, that were deeply honored. We all have moments in the quiet. We all have moments where we're alone. But a lot of us spend a lot of those moments not actually in honor of them. We spend them, you know, in distraction. We spend them in worry. We spend them, you know, ruminating. We spend them in judgment. We spend them in all different kinds of ways. And I in no way want to be, you know, put shame on anybody for that because I do that too. <laughs> we all do that to certain degrees, but I will say that one of the biggest changes between me now and me, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago is a lot more of my moments, even the quiet moments by myself, um, uh, are honored. And that is a very practical form of self-love because, of course, whose moments are these? You know, these are your moments. These moments represent your life. And so a very practical form of self-love is to not just honor the big moments, to not just pine and wait, you know, for these big dramatic leaps that happen and really honor the in-between, honor all of these in-between moments. Kind of another way to talk about that is those big moments like the UN speech, you know, like winning the awards, like finding the love of your life or, or whatever. Uh, I call those the redeeming moments. And, you know, they are important, I think, to make a distinction of, of them and to understand you know, why they're different. But redeeming moments are like ones, and the other moments, the in-between moments we could call them, are like zeros. If you have five zeros or ten zeros, you know, nobody's going to want that. If I said, who wants five zeros in their bank account? Nobody's going to say, yes, give me five zeros. However, if you have zero, 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 and then you have a one in front of it, the second that a one comes, it actually lends value. It creates value to all of those zeros that come. But it's not just the one that did that. It's really interesting if you look at how that looks. If you just say one and no zeros, that's actually not very valuable either. So if I was to say, who wants a one in their bank account? <laughs> People wouldn't be that excited about that either. So it actually is the combination of those zero moments and the one. So the one is like the redeeming moment and the zeros are like the in-between kind of moments. And as I said, you know, the world is obsessed, the culture is obsessed with the redeeming moments. Those are the moments when, you know, you win the award, when you're speaking in front of the UN, when you're getting honored, whatever. One of my favorite stories about this is there's a band called No Doubt uh, that I used to love when I was a kid. 
And I remember very distinctly, this is a very distinct memory of mine, that when they kind of hit it big, they won, you know, best new pop artist or something like that. You know, they won a Grammy for it. And they were a quote unquote overnight success. And the funniest thing about that to me <laughs> is that uh, they had been touring as a band, I think for eight years, you know, for eight years playing in small bars, completely unknown, you know, traveling around the countries, working their butts off, not getting paid. And then they become an overnight success and they win best new artist. So we just love that idea of there being like, it's a new artist, an overnight success. And yeah, sure, success does get recognized overnight, but it doesn't happen overnight. It's a super long journey. So coming back to the theme here of honoring the in-between, it is people who understand that those individual moments where you're not getting honored, you know, those are the ones that you have to honor. And as you pour honor into that, and what does that mean to honor, you know, that moment? I mean, to use it in a way that's growing you, to, to be present with it. I think this whole idea of being present with other people, you know, has become very popular. You know, it's like, put down your phone, you know, look people in the eye, be present with them. That's great. And I, I'm glad that that's getting more popular too. But are we doing that with ourselves? You know, I think a lot of times because that's become more popular with other people, that's where the focus is now. But putting down your phone with yourself is just as important, just as beautiful <laughs> as putting it down with somebody else. When you're out to lunch and you're eating by yourself, put the phone down for a few moments. Just be in relation with yourself. Feel how the spoon feels in your hand. Really taste the flavors that are coming into your mouth as you're eating. Notice the sunlight on your face. Those things are actually a form of practical self-love because you're honoring, you're honoring those in-between moments. The other problem with only honoring the redeeming moments is that there just won't be that many redeeming moments in a lifetime. There just, there just won't. Even if you're like the top performer and you work your, your butt off and you go super, super far in life, some of the people who've gone the farthest, one of my examples, for instance, is Michael Jackson, one of the most famous, successful musical artists of all time. In fact, artists of all time. He touched millions of people all around the world. And if I was to say, okay, how many songs can you list of his in, in 10 seconds, you know, or, or 20 seconds? Most people would be hard pressed to list more than three or maybe five songs that he made. So here he is, one of the most famous, successful, powerful, rich artists of all time and most people can't even remember more than three things that, that he did and what does that tell you it just tells you that even at the very top of the game there just aren't that many redeeming moments in a lifetime the vast majority of moments are, are zeros they're the in-between moments and so when a person just lives their life just holds their joy back for redeeming moments you're just not gonna get that much joy in your life. You're just not going to. If you only value those moments, you're not gonna value your life very much. If you only feel good about yourself inside of the redeeming moments, you're not going to feel very good about yourself a lot. And if a person can make that switch to start practicing honoring these in-between moments, your ability to self-love will hugely spike. And amazingly, you will have way more 
uh, of a chance of actually ending up in those redeeming moments where you win best new artist or speak in front of the UN or, you know, whatever, whatever your version of that is. Three more things about this. First is because of that, I have this thing that I call early stage beauty that helps me to remember this, to practice this. And so clearly the redeeming moment is so beautiful. You know, it's, it's so special. Everybody's loving you. You're loving you. All your hard work has paid off. It's this golden buzzer moment, you know, the confetti is flying everywhere. Of course, everybody wants to jump into that moment, but that's just not the way that it works. So that's beauty. But the other moments, the quiet moments, the ones that don't seem beautiful, I have actually started a personal practice of calling those early stage beauty. <laughs> so everything's beautiful, you know, it's either beautiful now or it's early stage beauty. It's, it's something that's becoming beauty. And I think looking with that kind of a categorization is just a really helpful you know, thing for me to be able to remember to honor this beautiful moment that's, that's happening, that's growing. Because by honoring this and nurturing it, this tiny little seed, this tiny little sapling, and pouring water into it and nurturing it and giving it nutrients right now, I am actually setting the stage for a redeeming moment in the future where that little tiny seed, where that little tiny sapling grows really, really strong and big and is able to produce fruit and is able to hold birds in the branches and create shade, you know, for an entire ecosystem. All humans are capable of growing that big and growing that strong, but none of them get there in a single bound. It's a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. And we really have to check that part of ourselves that is constantly wanting to sprint to the next thing, you know, to the next thing, to the next redeeming moment. Just let me leap from the redeeming moment to the redeeming moment. And that's just not the way that it is. And I think those viewpoints cause us a lot of unnecessary suffering in the moment, but perhaps even worse than that, they actually rob us of taking the steps that are required to ever get to the redeeming moment. Honestly, a lot of people in the world just don't end up getting to that many redeeming moments in their life. And I have uh, been very fortunate to live a kind of a life where I actually do have quite a lot more redeeming moments, you know, than the average person. And that is because I think more than anything else, I've had examples in my life and I have practiced this personally of honoring those in-between moments all by myself, taking the time to do the work and messing up so many times all in between that and getting back up again, you know, rising back up again and doing it again and again and again. And that slow momentum over years and years and years always pays off. It always ends up paying off. And even if the redeeming moment doesn't come in the way that you think it should or expect it to, you have a, an even better gift. And that is that you honored the in-between moments. You valued them. You appreciated them. They were beautiful to you. They gave to you. They, they enriched to you. So if we go back to this idea of these redeeming moments being like the peak of a mountain, most people on their journey up the mountain, they're not valuing any of those steps. They're just obsessed with getting to the top. When I get to the top, it's going to be amazing. When I get to the top, it's going to be amazing. And of course, the problem with that is you get to the top, you raise your hands in victory. I'm at the top. I did it. Yes, I did it. And then you're like, woo. And then you're like, Great, yeah, ooh, amazing, great. <laughs> and 
And then what, you know? It's all of those moments in between and leading up to that. The top of the mountain moments are few and far between. And if a person only values those, they're not gonna have that many great moments. If a person is having fun and enjoying all of the moments up to the mountain, even if you don't reach the mountain, you still win because you had a lot of amazing moments all the way up. <laughs> all right, two more things. One is my New Year's resolution for the last two years has been this, maybe everything is perfect. And I think that's such a more interesting resolution to me than any of the other ones I've ever had in the past. Because if you come into the situation thinking maybe it's perfect exactly how it is, maybe this is here to teach me something, maybe this is here to help me to grow, um, you, you have a much, much better chance of honoring this in between like I've been speaking about. And the very last thing for today in this uh, talk about practical self-love is one time I was making this Instagram post. <laughs> what a great story starter. One time I was making an Instagram post and it was of this uh, slow motion wave that I had shot. And it was really beautiful, but it was super long. You know, it was like 45 seconds or something. And after 45 seconds, this really amazing thing happened where this wave crashed on this rock and it exploded and all these sparkles came out and I had mixed it with music, one of my favorite songs. And the way I'd mixed it with the music, this kind of really cool, you know, lucky circumstance had happened. And those two things had, you know, kind of exploded on each other at the perfect moment. So the music perfectly mixed with this explosion that was happening <laughs> with the water. And, but it was 45 seconds into this video, you know, and knowing that, that this video is actually on my Instagram feed after this, if you want to go find it, it's somewhere down in my feed. I can't exactly remember, but you know, it's like a year or two ago. I was like, people aren't gonna, they're not gonna, you know, watch this whole thing because the first part was just very slow. You know, there's these slow movements, there's beautiful sparkles, but to most people it'd probably be boring. But I thought they would really love the part when the wave came in and crashed and all the sparkly things happened. And so, I was like, God, oh, they just gonna have to wait for it, you know? They just have to wait for it. So I titled that the post. That's what I put in the caption, you know, it's just wait for it. And so if a person watches the entire thing, it's this slow kind of peaceful thing, you know, for like 30 or 40 seconds. And then completely unexpectedly, this wave comes in and explodes and perfectly matches with the music and so beautiful, I think anyways. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if that's what God is like, the universe. They're just like, just wait for it. Just wait for it. I know this part feels slow. I know this part feels boring. I know this part doesn't seem very important, but just, just, just wait for it. Just wait for it. And I think in our own lives, as a practical form of self-love, to be able to hold some of these quiet moments, you know, and just understand these two are worth honoring. These two are important, you know, these two are, are special. It's a very, very beautiful form of practicing self-love. All right, guys, uh, you have a beautiful day. I hope you um, have some amazing moments practicing, honoring the in-between moments uh, today.
Practical Forms of Self-Love with Jesh D. Rocks is produced by Jesh D. Rocks and edited by Elizabeth Windham. Our theme music is by Kai Kai. It's called Celeste from the album Fantasize. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you know someone who would appreciate this mini-series, we encourage you to share it, screenshot it, and airdrop it to your friends, family, and general community. You can find Jesh at Jesh D. Rocks on Instagram and Facebook.